Have you included all the essentials in your contracts for this season? Well, that's coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunted attraction industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences worldwide. Outside of this podcast, we also have videos, education, and a weekly newsletter. Links to everything are in the show notes. We also have partner stations here at the network, and today's episode is courtesy of one of those partner stations, A Scott in the Dark, hosted by Scott Swenson. Today, Scott discusses how he has handled quotes and contracts for goods and services within the haunt industry, and how you should approach them. Regardless of whether you are quoting someone or you are trying to get a quote from someone, Scott covers both perspectives. Okay, here's Scott. Welcome to the dark. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the dark once again. We're diving into the dark. This is Scott Swenson from A Scott in the Dark, and... uh, in this particular episode, you know, I always try to do episodes about things that I, uh, well, that I'm doing, that I'm working on in my in my career uh, as a consultant. And unfortunately, as a consultant, quite often the things that I'm doing, I can't talk about specifically until long after they're done, or at least until they've opened. Um, and that is the case right now. I really wanted to do a show, very much wanted to do a show all about all the different projects that I'm working on and all the different companies that I'm working for. But unfortunately I can't do that right now. And the reason I can't do that is because of my agreement with these companies. So uh, after a couple of, of discussions in different meetings um, over the last week or so, I decided, you know what, why don't I do a little bit, uh, you know, a short episode, this is probably not going to be that long, but why don't I do a short episode about uh, agreements and contracts and the importance of them and, and what should be in them and, and what I put in mine, um, you know, and, and that, that side of our business. And I realize, you know, not everybody uses contracts quite often in the Han industry. It's done on a handshake or a promise or whatever. And, um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about why, first of all, why contracts are important, uh, why they benefit really everybody involved. You know, I, I, I work with a lot of friends. Almost everybody I work with in this industry are people that I have known before, and um, I've all, I've often said I don't want to work for somebody just once. I want it to be a good experience, so I want to continue to develop long-term relationships, business relationships with them. So um, <clears throat> for me, a contract is really, really important or an agreement of some sort because it basically takes all of the guesswork out of the business relationship, and it makes it so that... There is no gray area. There is no, well, you're my friend, so you'll do it this way. Or I thought you were going to do this when in reality, you thought one thing, I thought something else. Um, So I I think agreements, written agreements should not be something you're afraid of. They shouldn't be something that um, shows distrust. You know, it's sort of like often people will say, well, if I can't do it just on a handshake, then I don't want to do business. Well, that's fine if that's the way you want to do business. But to me... If you've got it all spelled out in some form of agreement or some form of paperwork, um, then you don't have to worry about losing a friendship. You don't have to worry about damaging a business relationship because it's all, you know, based on a, based on a misunderstanding, because it's all spelled out right there in front of you. 
Now, let me start this episode, like I do with so many, by saying I am not a lawyer. Well, I don't always say I'm not a lawyer, but I will say I'm not an expert in this area. However, this is what I've experienced. Well, I'm going to say this right up front. I am not a lawyer, nor am I an expert when it comes to contract law. So please, if you are going to look into some of these contracts or into some of these agreements, there are, you can either hire a lawyer, there are online, um, you know, legal zoom has some contract templates, uh, there you'll, you can find them online. There are contract templates online that you can find and adapt, um, to your needs or consult a lawyer, because if it's a large enough contract or a large enough agreement, uh, and a large enough portion of your business rides on this contract being completed, you know, like scenic build or, or audio installation or whatever, uh, then you might want to look into a lawyer, invest in that, in that expertise and let them tell you, let them, you know, correct what I'm telling you if I'm telling you something that is wrong. Uh, what I will share in this episode, however, are things that I have done in the past that have worked for me thus far. That doesn't mean that tomorrow all that will change. But um, so before we even get into contracts, let's let's back up the process a little bit. One of the things I like to have with uh, with my clients, and I don't have them with all of my clients because it just depends on how um, how secretive or the, the level of propriety that the information is that I'm dealing with, but I like to have a non-disclosure agreement. And basically what this says is it's, it's a, it's a written document that is signed, dated, sometimes even notarized um, by all parties, which basically says we're going to share information that the rest of the world really can't hear yet. Uh, And it's information that's going to be important so that we'll both be able to do our jobs. Um, and sometimes it's so that we will both be able to uh, write or understand an agreement or a contract that we're going to write. Or sometimes it happens after the contract and, uh, you know, you just need some some top line information for the contract or the agreement. And then the the NDA, the non-disclosure agreement comes afterwards. The reason I like to have this is because I work for so many clients, I want something on paper. I want my clients to understand their information is is protected with me. I won't be sharing it with other clients. Uh, I don't currently have any situations where I'm I'm working for two people who are in direct competition um, in the same market. But again, right now I'm working for a bunch of different clients, uh, specifically Halloween related, but also education, edutainment, uh, that sort of area. So I think a non-disclosure agreement is, is something that is, is healthy. And it basically says your secrets are safe with me. So you should feel comfortable sharing them. It also holds you responsible for not having loose lips. If you happen to be a contractor like myself, um, holds you responsible so that you, uh, you don't accidentally share information because you know that you've got a, a, a piece of paper that has been signed that is uh, is protecting that information and keeping it um, safe from from other folks. Uh, once that is taken care of, oh, and by the way, there are there are many NDAs. <coughs> excuse me, there are many NDAs online that you can that you can download. Um, again, if you don't feel that you need it, if there's nothing you're dealing with that is particularly proprietary, then you may not you may decide you don't need one. Um, I like to have them, especially when I'm working on new projects, because that way it just, it makes everybody breathe a little sigh of relief and it makes people more eager to share 
information if they know that it's not going to go any further than than the meeting and it's going to only be used for the purpose of completing the the work that is is being contracted um the next step usually for me is a quote um now a quote is sort of like a contract sort of like an agreement but it's up front and um the the quote itself is is well, I try to break it down into into multiple multiple sections. So let's break it down into the sections. And what I'm really going to do is focus as much on the quote as I would on a contract, because you know sometimes I will I will do work just on an executed quote, which basically means that I have a signature from the person that I've given the quote that says approved, move forward. Etc. 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 So um, that happens with obviously smaller projects, um, but with larger projects, there are almost always contracts, and those contracts are um, sometimes like with larger theme park chains, for example, you actually go through a vendor vetting process, and with smaller companies, it is uh, a simple basic contract. Most companies who need or want contracts or agreements have their own, and then they just plug in the elements out of the quote into them. So let's focus on the sections of a quote. And these are the sections that I think are important. Once again, um, I am I am not a lawyer. I am not an expert, but this is what has worked for me. So this may give you an opportunity to ask the right questions if and when you decide to use a lawyer for your quotes or your or your contracts. So the first and foremost, most important thing, I think, is to very clearly state at the, at the top of your quote that, A, this is a quote. Um, this, is, this is not an invoice. This is not, you're not asking for money. You're saying this is what it's going to cost you to do this work for you. And if you're on the other side, you know, these are the kinds of things that you can expect to see on a quote. All right. Um, so make sure that it is clearly labeled quote, not invoice, not purchase order or not, whatever. It is a quote, which really has no, no real um, weight until it's signed or executed. Um, the, uh, the other thing it needs to have on there is who the quote is prepared for and who it is prepared by. And I think it's important to have not just a company, but also a name whenever possible, um, an address for both the, the, the quoter, like in my case, you know, my name, address, business phone, et cetera, and the the person I'm preparing the quote for. So XYZ Spooky Zoo. And then and then their address. And I also like to have a name, like an attention name, just so that if there is any question on either side, there's a person that you can put to it. Um and again, these kinds of quotes, you, you don't send them blindly. You don't just randomly say, here, let me send you a quote. No, you somebody requests a quote. Um, I think that's very obvious. But in this day and age, you never know who's going to send what to whom in the hopes of getting some work. So, you know, don't don't send don't send blind quotes. That's that's just creepy and wrong. Um, so the next thing that I think is important in a quote is the scope of work. So this is what you are planning to do. And this really, depending on the size and the complexity of the project, uh, this can be, well, I, I think this should be one step more detailed than you think it should be on the surface. 
So one step, like if it's, uh, they're going to do everything for this project. Instead of saying everything for this project, spell out what everything means. Um, I would even suggest if it's a really complex project, breaking it into um, specific areas or lines uh, like um, one contract I did not too, or one quote I did not too long ago had a, uh, a line item that said, create, uh, create four one sheet, four one sheet uh, concepts for a haunt, a new haunted attraction at the name of the, the location. Um, and then I went on to say, this uh, this will be one to two uh, printed pages. It will be delivered in a an electronic format, and then I even put in parentheses PDF Word uh, pages, and will also include uh, a flavor board of images to help better understand the concepts being presented. So I tried to make it as as concise yet complete as possible, so that when you're done, you don't have the Neither side is going, well, I did too much or I, they, you didn't do enough. You know, it's clearly spelled out. And um, what I actually did was I I said, I, I then had a, a column in the quote, which has uh, a number in it, the number of concepts, uh, four. And then I had an individual price for each concept so that they could make the decision if they wanted to add more concepts or less concepts it would affect the price. So they can't say, you can't say, um, you know, I want, uh, this is, this is a lump sum for three concepts. And they say, well, we got, you know, you got three, just, just throw in another one, would you? No, it's not in the script. That's a change or in the, in the scope, that's a change order. So um, make sure that your quotes are broken down into sort of a menu format and, so, and make sure that they are as, detailed and clear as to what those deliverables are as possible. Uh, and, and some of the things just to, just to recap specifically what it is you're delivering, how many of them, how long they need to be, what they actually are, what they're based on, what like information you need. I have some quotes that go in saying uh, pending, uh, pending the receiving or uh, pending receiving this information from the, the client. Um, which basically says, I can't start my work until you send me this information. Um, so, you know, make sure that it's all spelled out as clearly and concisely as possible. Because again, you don't want either side to feel as though, well, I've either given too much or you haven't given enough. So, so make sure that that is spelled out and that's, that's in the scope of work. So what is being accomplished? You cannot be too specific. And also in that, Include a time frame. It will be accomplished by insert a date, or it will be accomplished by four weeks after receiving the design, or it will be. It, make sure that there's there's some sort of of milestone built into that scope. Once again, so nobody can say, "Well, you said you were going to do all this, and it was due yesterday," uh, or, or you know, "Well, you never said when it was due, so I'll just keep working on it until I'm done." Uh, just, just make sure that stuff is is clarified up front because no one's going to argue about it. You know, you just you just want to document it. It's not like that's that's not really much of the negotiation. It may become the negotiation after the quote when they realize, wow, if I'm going to do it this fast, it's going to be more expensive than if I've got more time. That's a possibility, but uh, 
but just be as specific as you can in the scope. Uh, the other thing that I think is important is, it, well, obviously pay compensation. You know, how much is it going to be for this, 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 and that? Um, so obviously the amount, I, I always even put in mind payable in U.S. dollars. Um, if you have a specific way you want to be paid, whether it is <clears throat> electronically or um, by hard check or whatever, uh, make sure that's included. Make sure that's included in the quote and eventually in the contract. Um, there are different different companies, different organizations have different payment terms. Um, so, like for example, there's there's net thirty, which basically means thirty days after the invoice, more or less. Um, net thirty, net sixty, net net ten is is not particularly common in larger companies, um, smaller companies. I, honestly, what I will put in smaller companies is uh, do immediately upon receipt of invoice um, or do 10 days following invoice, something realistic like that. And also a payment schedule. Uh, I, I think it's important, even in the quote, <clears throat> to put in, you know, um, 25 25% will be due upon the signing of this agreement, whether it is an executed quote or an actual contract. So 25% is due up front, 25% is due midway, and 50% is due upon completion, if, uh, if that's the way you want to do it. I actually like to spread out my payments um, because, again, it's my income. Um, so I, I, I find it important to spread that out so I'm actually continuing to earn money while I'm working on longer projects. Uh, there's for some, you know, for many, uh, construction contracts, they need money up front to buy the materials. So, you know, sometimes they will ask for up to 40% up front. Um, but I think if you're looking at a contract from both sides, cause again, keep in mind that the reason contracts are of such interest to me is as when I was working in the theme park, when I was working at Bush gardens, I got contracts from the other end and I had to look at them, uh, to make sure that they were not biased towards uh towards the individual and now i look at it to make sure it's not biased towards the the organization or the company um a good contract no one feels like they're be being cheated a good contract both sides feel as though this is fair compensation i will say that with some of the larger companies who have the longer terms like the net 60 or there are even some companies out there that are net 120 um you can put in a quote there will be a 20% discount if uh, the company agrees to a net, uh, a net 15 payment schedule or payment terms. So you can utilize those net terms as a negotiating tool as well. You may or may not want to do that, but basically what you're doing is you're saying up front, here's, here's the big chunk if we're going to follow your rules. And if you can, if you can make it so I get paid sooner, I'll reduce it by 10 or 15 or 20%. Um, now, of course, the 10, 15 or 20% is what you want to make anyway. So you just kind of back into that number, just being honest. Um, and I think both sides know that. I'm not sharing any, any proprietary secrets. I'm not breaking any non-disclosure agreements when I say things like that. Um, and also make sure that you include how the payment is, is going to be requested. You know, I always say upon invoice 
or uh, upon delivery of of receipts proving cost of goods or um, automatically the first of every month. I mean, make sure that that is in your quote and then eventually in your contract and your agreement so that everybody knows what they're negotiating up front. Um, in some cases, you will have to wait until the company issues a purchase order. I know that some of the larger theme parks um, will only operate. They won't process an invoice without a service order. So you got to wait for that. You got to wait for that to be done. And then you have to wait for the work to be done. And then you have to close it. Out. It's, it's a long drawn out process, but the more that you can get spelled out in the quote. And then, like I said, in the contract, the better. Another thing that I think is important for uh, a, uh, for a quote is ownership of the work. So like for me, for example, I do, creative scripting, conceptualizing. Um, quite often I will do training and casting. And anytime I do a, a written piece now, it is included in my contract that whatever I write is work for hire and owned in perpetuity by the client. Uh, so in other words, they're buying a script from me. This is very, very common in, in the industry that I work in. Um, this is less common in some other industries where they basically lease it for X amount of time. Um, the, the commercial industry, for example, quite often they will say it's a five-year buyout, which means that they can use it for five years. And after that, they no longer have rights to it. They have to pay for it again. Um, work for hire is basically they're buying it outright. So they don't have to, they don't have to pay the, the creator anything extra in the future. Um, if you choose to work that way, that's fine. I know most most theme parks uh, want everything in perpetuity because they don't want the extra paperwork, the extra headache of having to track. Oh my gosh, we have to pay them again, you know, five years later. Um, there are, like I said, there are some industries that that's commonplace. For what I do, that's uh, not particularly common. I also put in there that uh, if writing credit is given, this is for things that I write. If writing credit is given, it shall be credited to Scott's uh, written by Scott Swenson. And I put that in quotes uh, so that it's very, very clear. If no writing credit is given, they don't have to quote me. They don't have to credit me. I, they, no one will ever know that it's mine. That's completely fine. However, if they place on any piece of, of documentation who the writer was for this piece, it has to be credited to me according to this, the, the scope of the quote. And eventually, like I said, the contract. Um. Another thing that I put in there is, and this is something just recent, and that is that Scott Swenson and Scott Swenson Creative Development retain the right to utilize this work or utilize sections of this work as samples of previous work once the, uh, once the content is in public view. So once something opens, for example, I can go back and say, here's a sample of the XYZ um, wombat show that that i wrote for the um, the saskatchewan zoo that's completely made up i'm not working for saskatchewan zoo nor am i writing a wombat show just saying but i retain the right to utilize sections of that to show other clients what i can do even though it is owned by the the company if i use small excerpts i can use it as as samples of my work and that's the only way i can use it in the future so when all of this goes into your quote then, of course, they have to um, look at it and, and check their budgets. And, and quite often, these quotes will be bids. So you'll get, they'll ask for um, bids from several different 
several different providers and they'll go back and they'll weigh uh, not just price, by the way, they weigh expertise, uh, they weigh turnaround time, um, they weigh track record, excuse me, they, uh, they will look at, you know, oh, I know this guy is the cheapest, but also not the best. So all of those things come into play when they're evaluating quotes. And then once a quote is either executed for a smaller um, experience, for a smaller client or a smaller project, or a contract is, is generated or a service order um, is generated, then it's, uh, or a purchase order, if it's goods, then, uh, you know, then all of the information from the scope goes into that contract. If you are signing a contract, and I know this sounds ridiculously simple. If you are signing a contract before you sign it, read it, read it. I know there's going to be parts that you probably won't understand. I know there are always parts I don't understand. So I have to go back and look them up. Now I've been doing this long enough that some of the things I didn't understand before I now kind of get, Oh, okay, here, I see where they're going with this. And I understand what this means. And um, again, if you have questions, check with a lawyer, um, or, you know, do your, do your homework online to find out what this particular legal term means. So that, again, no one should ever go back after a contract and not know what is expected of them and what is expected of them on whichever side of the contract they sit on. So if everything is clearly drawn out, then, then you're good to go. Um, one of the things that I think is important in a contract as well, and this is more for those if you are contracting someone to do something. Um, and, and I don't usually put this in my contracts, but if I were on the other side, I think I'd request it. So if any of my clients are listening to this, they may request this in the future. And that is what happens if the scope isn't completed so or isn't completed on time? You know, uh, again, the, the idea of a, a bonus of getting stuff completed on time um, is, is certainly something you can, you can play with and work into the contract. Uh, I don't know what the laws are as far as penalizing people for not completing scope. Obviously, if you don't complete the scope, you're in breach of contract and that may require legal action. So um, I guess what I'm saying is contracts do not have to be scary or creepy or weird. Uh, they just, you just have to make sure that everybody understands I'm saying I'm going to do this and you're saying you're going to pay me that but you're going to do it in the most detailed possible format. Once an, uh, once a quote gets transferred into a contract, and what I've seen quite often with larger companies, they have a boilerplate of their contract and they will literally lift the scope out of the quote and plop it into the boilerplate of their contract. And you'll be reading three quarters of that contract up front. And you'll go, I don't understand any of this. What? This is nothing that I quoted because they're talking about all of the, the legal protection that they need. Uh, based on what their lawyers have have uh, have told them, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Just make sure you do read it and understand it to the best of your ability. If there's anything you're concerned about, don't sign it until you've actually read through it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times when I was on the other side of contracts than I am now, we'd have people go, "Well, we didn't really read all that, so I mean, how could how can you hold us to that?" Well, because you signed it. You know, when both sides sign it, they're basically saying, I understand what this contract is and I agree with it. With that in mind, recognize that contracting takes time. 
And in many, many cases, the, the most larger companies don't want you to start work until you have a purchase order or until you have an agreement. That way you can't go back and say, well, we had a handshake, we had a verbal, we had a this, we had a that. And yes, I do that all the time. I will, with clients that I've worked with for many years, I will go ahead and start projects. I'll start working on projects before I have uh, a signed agreement. But if that doesn't come through, the only person I have to blame is me. Okay. And I have had that happen. I have had that happen in the past where I've started a project and the the project, um, I, and we had a verbal agreement. There was a, a the, a contract was in progress and the project shut down prior to the contract being completed, but I had done quite a bit of work on it, but it's my fault. You know, I, I can't, I can't go back and, and grouse. So that said, in order to not get stuck, start your contracting process early, start your bid process early. Um, I'm not going to go into the whole process of bids because that's, just even more confusing. And, and I've already thrown out a whole bunch of information here that some of you may be scratching your heads and others, others of you, you know, if there are lawyers listening, you may disagree and say, no, that's not the case anymore. Um, if that is the case, you know, if I'm, if I'm way off, if I'm super far off, please um, make sure that you email me and say, Scott, you were wrong on this point and, uh, and I will make a correction. You can do that very easily by going to, um, well, you can, you can reach me at, uh, s.swenson at scottswenson.com s.s.w.e.n.s.o.n at scottswenson.com that's the easiest way to to get a hold of me via email and um, so you can again correct me please because if i'm doing something wrong i i need to know it would be helpful and i will also clarify it for other people all right wow okay that's a whole lot of information once again I have to have to give the caveat over and over again. I am not a lawyer and I am not a contract expert, but this has been, this has been the experience. And these are at least the questions that you need to ask if you have to sign some sort of an agreement um, or you're looking to contract someone to do something for you. Today's episode was edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. Support for today's episode comes from Gantam Lightning and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. From Dark Hour to Netherworld, Super Mario Land to Hagrid's Bike, Gantam goes where other fixtures can't. See what you're missing with a free demo? Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. The HAN team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Until next time, stay scary. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.